Hey, podcast listener, are you working so hard you wonder if the money is even worth it? If you're like most CPAs I work with, you have way too much to do, you feel relentless deadline pressure, and worst of all, you feel torn between serving clients and being with family. What if I told you you could work a 40-hour week without losing a dime? I know it sounds impossible, but my Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is designed for CPAs just like you who want to get their lives back. Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is launching soon. In it, you'll learn how to start getting your time back week by week, make your workload manageable while still bringing in plenty of revenue, what to put in your packages and how to price them, and so much more. Don't leave your future to chance. CPA Mastermind will get you on the same profitable path you've been searching for. With unlimited coaching, your success is guaranteed. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there. If you want to get your practice sold, either your choice is to, to make the changes yourself or be willing to discount your firm when you go to sell it. Welcome to the Business Strategy for CPAs podcast, where I help you work less and make more. My name is Geraldine Carter. A lot of CPAs are fried and thinking about going on vacation and never coming back. But CPAs have options when it comes to selling, and the farther ahead you plan, the better deal you'll create for yourself. Here today to talk with me about what he sees happening right now in the buying and selling of CPA firms is my guest, Brandon Poe, owner of Poe Group Advisors. Brandon, welcome back to the Business Strategy for CPAs podcast. Thank you for having me back. This is a pleasure. And for listeners who want to catch the other episode that we did after this one, it's uh, 162. So before we jump into the meat here, just give listeners a quick primer on how you help CPA firms in the buying and selling space. We uh, focus exclusively on the accounting and tax market uh, for um, sale of firms throughout the U.S. and Canada. We find people that want to sell, and we professionally market their firms and give them a process for helping to select a buyer that's going to be a good fit for their practice. And then we also help with coaching on the transition uh, to help make sure that that handoff is as smooth as it possibly can be. Uh, we've trademarked our process. It's called the seamless succession. Uh, so that's that's the the 50,000 foot view of it. Cool. And we'll just go down to 40,000 feet for half a second here. What's the range, the revenue range of typical CPA firms that you transact within? I would say it's inching up, but uh, most of our clients are under that $5 million mark. Lately, we've been focusing on uh, probably between 500K and 5 million. And you're talking revenue, not sale price. Revenue, correct. So talk to us. Last time you were here was like eight months ago or something. And a lot has changed in the last eight months. In the green room, you were saying it's a little bit too soon to tell, but tell us what you're seeing so far that's different than it has been. Well, I do think there is a sense of a lot of people maybe held on during COVID because there was so much going on. They didn't want to focus on the sale. So I think there might have been a little pent up seller demand. Um so I, I do think that's occurring. People are like, hey, I'm tired. I'm, I'm ready to exit. Um, on the buy side, we can't really gauge the market yet because, as I was telling you in the green room, what typically happens in the season is you get tax season and then people 
people kind of breathe a little bit. They take vacation or they take a few days off or they tidy up after tax season. So they're not, the market's not terribly active this time of year. The buyer activity, it's interesting how the buyer activity works. We see typically a spike after 4th of July uh, in the U.S. And then we see um, pretty active market until the fall deadlines start to creep in. And then we see a very active market after that October 15th deadline. Okay. So not a ton going on necessarily right now. For CPAs, for the ones who are thinking, um, I've had like three COVID tax seasons was more, three more than I ever needed. And I'm done. Stick a fork in it. What can they do to make their deal as attractive as possible? You know, if they're not going to set themselves up for a sale three years from now, if they're like, I want out by the end of the summer. There's not a whole lot they can do. I think there's some some things they can do. They can clean up their accounts receivable. They can make their office more presentable, cleaner, uh, fresh paint, like curb appeal type of stuff, right? Those are things that they can do. I mean, other than that, it's your tax season is over, so you can't change that. So most of your revenue is, is kind of set for the year. Um, I, I think beyond cosmetic changes, there's not a whole lot you can do in, in one season. Um, now in a year or two years, you can do some things. Um, so the strategy really shifts depending on your timeline. So if you have a year or two, what would you focus on? So one of the things that we did, we did a lot of analysis this year, since I've talked with you last, we did do a lot of analysis mainly on our own client acceptance criteria. And we looked at some patterns, and one of the things that really stuck out for me was the correlation between, and this is, you know, I'm painting with really broad strokes here um, because there are some practices that have figured this out, but I think the pattern that, that stuck out was firms that have a large number of personal tax not associated with a business tend to have higher staff turnover, higher tax season hours, lower cash flow to owner. And so I think the staffing challenges that people are seeing now are making that personal tax part of the practice less desirable and more challenging to staff. Because if you don't have all of that work, it really evens out the year which evens out the staffing. It takes all those intense hours out of the equation during tax season, so that's easier on your staff. So that I think that increases longevity of the team. All of those things start to appear. Really, I believe that staffing is changing this profession faster than anything. I think that's the main driver of what's cha- causing change in this profession. So what do you see happening because of staffing changes? People are having to make difficult decisions. They're having to make pruning decisions, which they should have been making years ago. Now they're having to make them. Meaning pruning which clients, you know, which clients do you keep? Which div- you know, what total lines of business do you prune away? Okay, so at a high level, um, just coming back to the previous question, more incentive than ever to limit individual returns that are not associated with a business. I call them orphan returns. Now, unless you have a machine, I, I, I talked to an owner this week who's got a machine 
you know, if that's your focus and you figured out how to really do those in a very efficient, profitable way, that's different. But most typical CPA firms, it's part of the mix. It's not a well-tuned assembly line. Right. For CPAs who are just beyond capacity, they don't necessarily want to sell their whole firm, but they're just in an oversold position, if you will, like 400 passengers on a 200-passenger plane, but they still want to fly their plane. Is it possible for them to sell a tranche of their business, or is that just not a thing because the buyer is going to look at it like you're just giving me your worst clients? Or is it a thing, but just at a really low multiple? How does that play out? We've done a number of those deals. It's possible. It just depends on what they're selling and is it desirable. If you're trying to, like, back to the example of the personal tax returns, if you just say, oh, I just want to sell off these personal tax returns, those are getting, those blocks are getting harder and harder to sell at a decent multiple. What's a decent multiple? Well, I think the rule of thumb in the industry still holds up for, for what we see for cash deals one times is a is a rule of thumb that's fairly accurate. So one-time top-line revenue for cash deals for a tranche of individual returns? No, just for firms in general. I think the individual returns, depending on the quality of fees, you might see a, a lower multiple for personal tax returns. Yeah, like how far down are we talking rule of thumb? Like one half X or? Well, it, it, you really have to look at the quality of fees and the, the, the wealth of these clients. Like if it's high net worth clients, that's a whole different picture than your retail tax type of client. It just depends. But yeah, I mean, maybe it's, I don't know. I mean, I think some of the, like H&R Block will pay more than 50 cents on the dollar. It's just you don't get cash terms. You get terms over spread over time and based on the actual um, retention rate of that buyer. How are you seeing interest rates affect things? Or is that too soon to tell? You know, one of the things I was selling firms through 2008, 2009, which was pretty rough, a rough financial crisis. And the housing problem affected sales because like, for instance, if we had a buyer in Texas that wanted to move to Virginia, I had instances where they couldn't sell their home. So that would prevent the deal from going through or prevent the deal from even getting started is just people were stuck in their in their homes and they couldn't move around the country. And I don't think that'll be the case this time. So I don't think you'll have any, even if the housing market dips, I think there's still, from everything I've read about the housing market, uh, there's a low inventory problem in the housing market. So I don't think that'll be a constraint for firms, which you'd be surprised at how many buyers um, cross state lines to purchase. So I, I think it'll be a pretty healthy market. I don't think we'll see too much of an impact um, if it's a mild recession that we have or if it's just an interest rate bump that we have. If it's worse than that, then all bets are off for for a lot of reasons, for a lot of <laughs> industries, right? Are you seeing any developments in firms building out productized services or an uptick in subscription? I think accounting firms are the slowest to change models. The cloud firm space, however, is definitely growing fast. We've become a leading firm in the cloud firm sales space and 
I don't know. I can't. I'm trying to think of any cloud firm that I've encountered that's not growing pretty rapidly. So I think what you might see is that there's a lot of innovation and a lot of growth in that space. And maybe the traditional firms are going to, it's going to be a slow change that they're going to experience. Wait, I'm not sure I tracked you. A slow, slow competition, like rising competition from cloud firms, but that won't happen very rapidly. So what I'm saying is, I think cloud firms will pose a competitive threat to traditional firms at some point. In other words, what's going to keep your client from leaving the traditional firm and going to a cloud firm that has more leading edge type of services, you know, more analytics, more KPI tracking, more consulting type of services that's somewhat aided by good technology. If traditional firms don't start innovating better, the innovation, I feel like the innovation in that space is definitely happening faster. And if traditional firms aren't careful, if they don't keep up with the innovation, they're going to lose clients to innovative cloud firms. But I don't think that has happened at at a large enough pace to really be felt. I haven't had this conversation, you know, on the podcast yet, but seeing the opportunity with, you know, the pandemic coming through and kind of forcing people to go online is an opportunity to untether from your zip code. And I think a lot of many, most CPA firms traditionally have been sort of zip code geography based. And, you know, now is, if you want to untether from your zip code and go deep into a, a niche, it's like California gold rush. You'll be the first one there. Why, Why are you waiting? Yeah. And I think, you know, I think, I think if I'm a, if I own a traditional firm, I think the smart thing would be to create a hybrid firm. Like create a firm that can be uh, where you can service people completely virtually, where you can have virtual employees. If you want to convert to a full cloud firm later on, you can, but there will always be clients that love that personal touch and they love that relationship and they will pay a premium for that. But you don't want to miss the innovation to where it becomes compelling at some point for those people to say, you know what, this personal touch thing is great. It feels good. But what this firm's doing over here is a game changer for my business. And if they can, you know, that day will come, I think. And so if you have a traditional firm, you need to innovate like you're like you're a cloud firm and maybe have both options available. Do you think that a firm owner can effectively manage the mindset of being a traditional firm? and an innovative firm all in one? Um, I, I think there'll come a day where they don't have a choice. But if you're comparing firms apples to apples and one is fully paperless and one is fully cloud-based but still has paper at the home office and then another one is fully traditional and still only does handing papers back and forth, if you could sort of compare the multiples, can you even do that and what would they be? Yeah, we, we've done um, quite a bit of just data analysis on the firms that we've sold that are cloud. So the cloud firms, the full cloud firms sell for a higher multiple 
and they they tend to sell faster, so the days on the market is lower. The thing that makes it a little bit difficult to compare, and I, I found this rule that I've heard, I'll share it with you, it's kind of really cool, it's the 40, the 40 rule. I'm probably missing some some important naming of that, but the thing that's that's hard to compare is the growth because growth costs money. It costs money to stay staffed up ahead of growth. Um, growth is a little messy. There's money that gets spilled. <laughs> Most of the cloud firms we see tend to have higher growth rates than traditional firms. But the rule that I wanted to share with you, it's the, that 40 rule, is if you take your growth rate and then you take your margin, it should be 40. So if you're growing at at 10%, you got you should have a 30% margin. If you're growing at 0%, you should have a 40% margin. It, it's a rule, it's not a it's not an accounting industry rule, it's like a general generalist rule. Okay, the, the sum should be 40. The sum should be 40. So like if you're growing at 60%, you should be losing 20%. Like it should be it works that way and it's I got the idea from scaling up, which is um Vern Harnish's company, the founder of EO. And so it's it's not industry specific, but it's an interesting what I like about it is it factors in growth. Like your growth is going to hurt, fast growth will impact negatively your profitability for a while, right? You have to invest in growth. And that's what we've kind of in terms of like what are the multiple differences it's hard to separate those out and really have a, a clear comparison. And it also brings out some financing challenges with cloud firms that are growing fast because banks look at historical profitability and they don't always calculate that growth factor. So what you have is a market that's willing to pay more than a bank is willing to lend. So you've got to come up with the difference. Yeah. Are you seeing cloud-based firms growing at 60%? Uh, 60% is pretty extreme. I'm seeing them grow at 30, 40%. And that's kind of at the front edge? Yes. What's a, What do you see as a more kind of typical growth rate for a traditional firm? I, I see sort of steady 3 to 10% growth is pretty normal for the most of the firms that we see. That's so interesting to know because my clients do 25 to 40%. At least I could actually think of ones that have done more than that. Yeah, we've had we've had people come through our academy that have had significantly high growth, but it's really, we see top line revenue growth through price changes, not through just client acquisition. Yeah, no, I mean, that's not how you, that's not how I help my clients grow. It's client dequisition. If we can coin a word. Yeah, no, it's through strategy and niching. Exactly. And pricing. Right. Trying to maintain your historical trajectory is not the thing that bends your growth curve. For sure. (laughs) Sounds like we're on the same page. It's just these cloud firms are I guess they're they're more automated and they're more built for volume and efficiency. So what do you think it is then with, I mean, maybe this is an obvious answer, but what are the factors that make the, enable the cloud firms to grow so much more quickly? I think that they're not limited by geography. And so they're just able to pick up more clients just because of that. Like they're just playing in a bigger marketplace. Is it a bigger marketplace or is it a different kind of clientele who's seeking them out? I think both. I mean, I remember we did a, this was a couple of years ago. There was a firm, 
I did a podcast with this firm out of Atlanta and they had a lot of professional athletes in their client base who are wealthy people who are not necessarily educated very well financially. Sometimes they are and they're younger and they want to be able to manage their finances on their phones. And so this firm figured out how, from a technology standpoint, how to do that. And so they went after that sort of client profile, either a professional athlete, musician, you know, young, high-earning professionals that um, wanted more than anything else, just simplicity in their financial life. And they don't care about coming to the office and meeting anybody. They want to be able to manage it remotely. The technology is available to do that. So if you figure that out for that firm in Atlanta, what's to keep you from doing it in Los Angeles or in Dallas or in South Florida? Or Right. And then you just take it and you put it on your trains and you move it to wherever in the country. Yeah. All right. Last question here before we wrap up. So if people are thinking about selling, but they've got more like a three to five year time horizon, they've got time to make some changes and watch those changes play out. Given how much life has changed in the last you know, eight, 10 months. What, are, what would you recommend right now as a strategy? What, what, would you, what would you have them focus on? Low owner hours and higher profitability. I mean, I know that's really simple, but that's, I mean, that's what buyers want. They don't want to work 3,000 hours a year. Yeah, it, it's the stuff that you're coaching on, basically, and that I'm coaching on is prune your clients, client list. CPAs, it's funny how, they don't realize they're they're probably losing money on a good portion of their clients. <laughs> yeah. Or at least it's trap money. Like they're they look at it as revenue, but really it's opportunity cost. Yeah, exactly. And um, it, it's it's it seems hard, and it, and they are hard decisions because it's hard to tell a client that you've had for years and years that they either need to find another accountant or that they need to. Um, pay a good bit more than they've been paying. Those are difficult conversations. But if you want to get your practice sold, either your choice is to, to make the changes yourself or be willing to discount your firm when you go to sell it. I've had conversations with people that don't want to make change in their firm. They're just, they're not willing to do it. And that's a valid answer. If you don't want to make change, um, that's fine. But you know, you're you're going to have to face the reality of the marketplace as, as is when you go to sell. The the sad the, the hard thing is some people wait too long to start thinking about that, and you know they have in their mind a certain price point they think they can get for their firm, but they're not being realistic about the profitability of their firm or the owner hours and the problems that the firm might have and they don't hit those realities until until they're too tired to face them <laughs> yeah or they end up you know the te- the practice takes longer to sell than they wanted it to, to take and i don't know i'm i'm a i'm a b- big believer in like hey if you know how to make changes make the change but some people are just like you know i, I just not i'm not gonna do it it's okay just know what you're choosing yeah well, if people want to find out more about you and your program that gets people better set up to sell, where can they do that? 
our website is pogroupadvisors.com and our virtual workshop is accountingpracticeacademy.com. Excellent. We will link to both of those in the show notes. Brandon Poe, thank you so much for coming back on the Business Strategy for CPAs podcast. Thank you, Geraldine. This has been fun. Always a pleasure. There's always so much great information when you talk to Brandon. I especially love the example of athletes as clients wanting to be able to keep it simple and do money on their phone. That was seen as a highly valuable solution to a specific problem for a narrow segment of buyers that was enormously successful and can be deployed at scale around the country. That is a winning strategy. If you're thinking about selling, be sure to reach out to Brandon at Poe Group Advisors. We'll put the link in the show notes. If you want even more intel, stop what you're doing and head over to GeraldineCarter.com to subscribe to my daily drip of business strategy for CPAs. You'll get one easily digestible tip a day on how to position your business, how to price your services, and how to sell outcomes so that you can be more profitable with less effort. That URL again is GeraldineCarter.com. All right, that's it from me. Have a great week. Hi again. Would you rather spend your weekends outside playing or at your desk? In Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind, we put an end to overworking while maintaining revenue. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there.